Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Final hour is here, Friday edition from 6th and Peabody in Music City with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. We're Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Walking around during the break, on a scale of like Austin Price to the Grinch, I'm like at like 30% Christmas spirit right now. But walking around, they're playing the Home Alone soundtrack. And you know, you guys know Chad especially, this gets me every time. When the Home Alone soundtrack is played, Christmas time is here. It is time. That's when you know it's arrived. Time to set some traps, eat some pizza. Anytime Kevin McAllister is mentioned, uh, (laughs) Hutton wants to eat a large cheese pizza all to himself. Right. He sets booby traps around his house just for the fun of it. I do, just to watch my dog uh, fall into it. It's about that time. Yeah. uh, I'm not much higher than 30% either. Though I did do some shopping today online. We all did. Trees up and it's nice to sit around it i'm just i don't know it is the 10th <laughs> so we're only 15 days away i know so I, I feel like i should be further along brent hubs of volquest.com is with us uh brent are you also in the christmas spirit like us well, or are friends you, with austin. i know i know well no one's austin price i mean on scale of austin price to the grinch where does brent hubs fall i think austin has to drag you along well, I'll be honest with you guys. I just got through eating some Twinkies. So I've got visions of Nakatomi Plaza um, in, in my head. And um, yippee ki to everybody on Christmas Spirit. That's where I'm at right now, right. fellas. Where, where are you how's physically the, yeah. right now? Bro? How's, Fal- how's Falcon weightlifting right now? <laughs> guys, I am at uh, West Forsyth High School in Hendersonville, North Carolina, uh, home of the Falcons and home of the Falcon Friendsley Wrestling Tournament. Just been talking to some great Vol fans that live over here and work at uh, West Forsyth High School. And uh, we've been talking about Tennessee's newest commit. And uh, we're going to wrestle here in about 45 minutes. Love it. So the newest commit, Caleb Webb, a uh, big receiver out of Georgia. What can you tell us about him? What, what, what does this mean for Tennessee? It's, a, it's another four-star commitment for Josh Heupel. And things are trending well right now for the Vols in Heupel's class. Well, I think Webb fits what Tennessee's looking for in terms of an outside receiver. He's got the speed to get vertically. Um, Tennessee has got some slot guys that uh, I think they feel pretty comfortable with. But when you talk about losing Javante Payton, and uh, they only played a limited rotation really at the outside receiver spot this year when you look at, at Payton and Tillman were kind of their only two outside receivers. And so they, they've got to add you know receiver depth. And uh, Caleb Webb is a guy who can vertically – get down the field. He can be an outside threat for you. Tennessee has done a really good job in recruiting him. When you look at um, just how they've just stayed in it, you know, he was committed to East Carolina for forever. It took him until after his Tennessee official visit to decommit, but Tennessee's been hot and heavy on that one for months. Cody Burns has just kind of been relentless with him, uh, really developing a nice relationship there. So I give him a lot of credit for that one. And uh, Tennessee got it set up the way that they wanted to. When you look at, they got the last official visit, and then they got the last in-home visit with the head coach. Harbaugh went in first this week. Josh Heupel went in yesterday. 
and close the deal out. And, and obviously, that's a big get for Tennessee. This may be my only chance to break Tennessee news to Brent Hobbs, and I'm probably not oh, wow. even breaking the news to him. Um, but I happen to see this because on my tweetcaster, I follow different teams locally, and I have a hashtag Vols that I follow. So I'll just see constant news or what people are saying about Tennessee. And I happen to see a tweet about seven minutes ago from Gerald Mincy that says 1,000% committed to the University of Tennessee. I click on Gerald Mincy because the name was familiar. He's got 3,881 followers, and it is Florida offensive lineman Gerald Mincy, who was in the transfer portal, has apparently committed to Tennessee. Is, am I actually breaking news to you right now, Brent, with this tweet? <laughs> Um, the fact that he's done it publicly is the breaking news part. I, I'm not stunned that Tennessee uh, is going to end up with him, but uh, I did not anticipate any news coming out of that uh, on this day. But um, he's a guy that I would expect that uh, is seeing Tennessee or will see Tennessee in the next couple of days and obviously uh, has made a decision there. He's a, an offensive tackle, um, young guy who's played some, and has got a chance, I think, to develop. And Tennessee is trying to, to get some depth at that tackle position. I'm a little surprised that Tennessee kind of is going that direction. I thought if they were going to get a transfer tackle, that they would get a guy who has more experience, who could come in and help right away. I don't know that Mincy could come in and do that right out of the gate because I still think he's young enough that he needs some more development. But we'll see what happens. Brent, how many transfers do you think Heupel wants to take? Uh, it depends. Depends on what their numbers look like. How many guys leave the program? Where are they on the 85? Uh, where are they on some self-imposed numbers to try to be below the 85 and satisfy some things with the with the NCAA investigation? Uh, so I think it's flexible um, and, and a bit fluid. I, I think that you'll see Tennessee bring in something like maybe 27 new guys when it's all said and done. That number may go up or down one or, or two the other way. No way they get to 30. I'd be surprised if they got to 29. There'd be some guys who have to leave. I think the most surprising thing to this point um, through this stretch is that since the Vanderbilt game, nobody from Tennessee has entered the transfer portal, and, and that's a surprise to me. Um, I thought somebody after the Vandy game in the regular season would, would enter the portal. Nobody has. I still think at some point in the spring somebody will. Uh, but, you know, to, to get to the number, I mean, everybody want all Tennessee fans want them to take, you know, every transfer that seemingly jumps in the portal that's got four stars are better. Um, the reality is Tennessee's is balancing some numbers and um, we'll, we'll see. I, I think you'll see them ultimately end up with probably 27 guys or so in this class uh, when it's all said and done. That includes transfers. And they're at 17 right now uh, with this class. They're currently ranked 19th nationally at Rivals. Um when all is said and done, Brent, can they climb higher? What's still left out there for Tennessee? It's been a good week or so in recruiting for the Vols. I know they've got guys on campus this weekend leading into signing day. What's left out there for Tennessee right now to possibly climb even more in these rankings? Well, Justin Williams, who's a, the running back uh, that was committed to West Virginia for a while, decommitted, Auburn's jumped in there, Tennessee's in there. He's been on Tennessee's campus three times because he's here this weekend, three times in the last six weeks, which is a positive sign and a positive trend for Tennessee. Four-star guy who would certainly elevate Tennessee in the rankings. Um, Tariq West, um, or Tyree West, is a defensive lineman from Tifton, Georgia. He's in town this weekend. That's Tennessee, Florida State. 
Uh, big news for Tennessee. He did not take a midweek visit to Auburn that was scheduled. So it looks like that is a Tennessee-Florida State battle. He's been committed to Georgia. I think they have just kind of parted ways and moved on. But that's a highly rated guy that would certainly help Tennessee in, in the rankings. Um, you know, there's a the uh, Darren Agu kid who is uh, from down in Georgia is committed to Vanderbilt. He's in Nashville this weekend for his official visit. He was at Tennessee last weekend. And uh, is a guy that I think Tennessee's got a pretty decent shot at. We'll see how the Vanderbilt visit goes. I know Tennessee's left a pretty big impression with him, and Tennessee was the last coaches in to see him in the home, although he is at Vanderbilt this weekend. Uh, you look at Jeffrey Imba, who is the junior college defensive lineman uh, from out in Kansas. Uh, he has gone back home to France to be with his mom. His mom was here last weekend to visit Tennessee. Uh, she went to Tennessee and Missouri. That's the only two visits she took. He was going to visit Oregon this weekend, but with Mario Cristobal being out, uh, he did not take that visit. He could have gone back to Miami for a second official visit. He elected not to do that. Mom went home. He'll go home and finalize things with Bob. That's an Auburn, Tennessee, uh, Missouri battle to the finish line there uh, with him. So uh, those are a couple of just, you know, a handful of names that are still out there. And, and there are others. I mean, Marquise Gilbert is a, Defensive back that Tennessee's involved with, a junior college player uh, that I think is pretty highly regarded as well. So Tennessee's got not some numbers to work with, and I think you'll see Tennessee uh, looking to close out, you know, pretty significantly, particularly on the defensive line. If this class, regardless of rankings, if this class is going to be the class that Tennessee was hoping for, has hopes for, they're going to have to close well on the defensive line. Brent, are, are you saying those no, those names with the anticipation that they decide and they sign next week, or is this something that could last a while? I think the ones I just mentioned will sign next week. Um, James Pierce is a is a defensive end from over in Charlotte, North Carolina, that Tennessee is heavily involved with. I think he's going to wait. I think he will sign um, in in February. I think he's going to wait and kind of see what else is out there. There's been some academic questions. I think those are getting solidified which may open him up for some other options. And he likes Tennessee, but I think he also wants to see what else is out there for him. Um, there's a kid from down in Florida that's visiting this weekend by the last name of Akis. Um, Gabe Akis is a defensive end prospect who's in town this weekend. Tennessee, I think, is hopeful that he signs on Wednesday and that they can land that one. He could wait and see what else is out there for him. He's a young man whose stock is on the rise. State champion wrestler, AAU wrestler. Um, champion wrestler who, who's a guy who's about 250 pounds right now, looks really good physically, and, and I think he's got a huge upside. I think that's a guy Tennessee likes a lot. He is in town this weekend. It was big that they get the whole weekend for him. There was some thought that he might split the weekend up and do two visits, and he's not. He's going to only be at Tennessee this weekend, which is a positive. So Tennessee's headed here to Nashville for the Music City Bowl against Purdue. You guys uh, wrote and reported that there was some thought maybe Tampa was in play uh, over last weekend, but it is Nashville, which was probably the front runner throughout. Uh, where do you think Tennessee stands with this matchup coming back to the Music City Bowl? It seems like this is a program that's excited to be playing another game. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think this team is, is looking forward to continuing to play, continuing to grow. I think the fan base is looking forward to seeing you know these guys play again. I mean, offensively, but when they're rolling, they're really fun to watch. I think the fans have enjoyed this team a good bit. Uh, from a matchup standpoint, um, Purdue's a little different uh, from the standpoint of they are not your typical kind of grind-you-to-death Big Ten team. They want to spread it out and throw it more. 
but I don't know that they've got the elite speed or they've got the SEC speed across the board. They do have a quarterback who can run and use his legs, which is kryptonite for Tim Banks and his defense. So that'll be a challenge there. I think the other question with Purdue is how many guys are going to play in this game and not play? Do they have some guys opt out who are heading to the NFL? Or do they, you know, come here with a full roster and come to Nashville ready to play with, with everybody on the roster? Speaking of the NFL, uh, underclassmen have this option of of going to advisory panel and getting kind of a range of where uh, these NFL connected people think they'll get drafted. Um, I understand those those recommendations or assessments uh, have come back. How closely guarded a secret is that for for these guys? I imagine. It comes to light more often when it's a really good report than when it's a really bad, bad report. But uh, how frequently do you find out what they what they learn? Uh, you know, the kids generally don't share them. Um, that's not something they they go about doing, particularly right now. Uh, maybe going down the road that they'll do that. But you're right. If it's a good report, then, then you know the kids going generally he's going pro, and and you see him on on mock boards everywhere. Other guys um, who are making decisions are a little bit more guarded, or maybe if you talk to them, they might inflate that a little bit. You know, instead of being a a, a fourth to sixth round pick, they might say that you know they were told they were a late second to fourth round guy, that type of thing. Uh, so some of those stuff, some of those things get inflated. Um, I, I do think that Josh Heupel will have conversations now that he is back off the road in recruiting, and and it's the dead period. He doesn't go back out. Um, he's had one preliminary meeting with a bunch of guys on Sunday after the Vanderbilt game to talk about sort of where they were. Uh, he will circle back and certainly have meetings with those guys who put their names into the advisory board uh, for, for assessment of where they are. And that includes Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman, Cade Mays, and, and then they'll go from there. Um, I, I still think Mays is a long shot in terms of returning. I think the only thing that's, you know, where is his ankle injury? Does he feel like he can get himself 100% healthy to really show the NFL what he can do. Um, as for Hooker and Tillman, you know, the, the vibe seems to be a little more positive that they will return, uh, but they've not said anything. And Hendon Hooker made it clear he will he will let everybody know when the time is right, when he's made a final decision. Uh, I would imagine that there's a chance that decision comes before Christmas um, and, and everybody's moving forward from there. So we'll see. Is the coach in on those results or is that strictly between the player and the league? No, I mean, I, I think, you know, the coaches help. You know, they, they help these kids. Um, the league obviously sends that paperwork back, but but coaches can also help with, hey, here's some feedback we've heard from scouts. Here's some things that have been written up about you guys and, and those things. So, uh, you know, most of these kids are, are looking for assistance and advisement, and that's where I think the coach is really smart in, in being, you know, transparent. And Josh Heupel said, look, we want to help these guys make good decisions. Okay, you don't want to recruit a guy back if he doesn't want to be here. You know, you can't go just straight into recruiting mode uh, because that 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 comes out. You know, if you've trashed a kid just because you're trying to recruit him to come back, that that comes to light at some point in time. You don't want to do that. So I I think coaches these days understand this is just a way of life um, that good players leave early. And and I think you're completely transparent with them here. Here's what I think you can do if you come back. Um, maybe it's in your best interest to go right now because you can't pass up on where you are in, in the, you know, in in the rankings or in, in the projections. Uh, and, and I think those are very honest conversations that that coaches have with their players because I think that's important for the credibility in your program, and I think that's important in the credibility in your locker room. You know, coach can't say, 
I've got your best interest at heart and then give you bad insight or, or not be helpful with you through the decision-making process about staying or going. Brent Hubbs with us from VolQuest.com. And speaking of credibility of a coach in a program, Brent, what does it say about Josh Heupel that in a time where recruiting is everything for college coaches right now, he took time off the road to go to Florida and eulogize his former player at UCF that was murdered uh, recently. And I know those videos are, are making the round of his eulogy for his former player. Um, what does that say about Josh Heupel and his connection to his players? Well, I think it says a lot. And, and, and I know this, Josh Heupel's not – he doesn't mind that that I mean it's it's the you know whoever's right to put the video out there, but he he was certainly not going down there to get any exposure for the fact that he did that and, and that he was doing that. You know, if you see the video, there's there's no Tennessee lapel, there's no it has there's no there there's no recruiting angle, there's no look at me type deal in that at all. He, he was close to, to Otis Anderson Jr. I mean, they had a really good relationship. Uh, this has affected him. Uh, he, he is, he's obviously been hurt by this news and emotional about this news. You can hear it in his voice in the eulogy. And uh, that was a no brainer. I mean, you know, if you're sitting there and you're going, hey, I got a lot to get done this week. Am I going to go do a eulogy for a guy who played for me and laid it on the line for me? Or am I going to go to Las Vegas for a Hall of Fame and induction? If I've got a pick, I, I'm going to I'm going to bypass the Hall of Fame deal. Josh ended up being able to do both adjust his recruiting schedule accordingly. Uh, but but look, if you spend any time with Josh Heupel, his players are important to him. And um, not surprised at all that that the family asked him to speak on their on on Otis's behalf uh in, in honoring him. And I'm not surprised at all that Josh went. Brent, starting on December 17th and going over the next two, three weeks, ESPN will do everything it can to not show the crowd and the empty seats and stadiums. That's not going to be the case here for Tennessee and Purdue, uh, where they're expecting a packed house at Nissan Stadium. Just from the buzz and the the way that we can amp this game up, what are you expecting as we lead into December the 30th from the matchup perspective and the fact that Purdue's going to travel? I know the, the bowl expects twenty to 25,000 Purdue fans at the game. We know Tennessee fans are all in on, on the hype train. Josh Heupel... What are you expecting on the 30th from both teams? Well, I think you're going to get a good football game. Uh, I think you're going to get two teams that want to be there, two, t- two fan bases that want to be there. And that, that's what bowl games are supposed to be about. I mean, that's, that's the premise of a bowl game. That's why Tampa had interest in Tennessee. I mean, Tampa had two teams that they really wanted, um, Tennessee and Arkansas, because they felt like both those teams were going to sell out their stadium or help them sell it out. So, um, I think that everyone is expecting a really good atmosphere uh, in Nashville because you got two teams excited to be there, two fan bases looking forward to the matchup, looking forward to being uh, where they are and being in the bowl game. So, um, listen, we'll we'll hope for some nice, surprisingly warm weather and some some sunshine and 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 show up and have a really good football game because um, I think you again when you have two teams that want to be there, you're going to get two teams best. I think the concern every bowl has is a team that's limped home, that doesn't have a lot of juice about being there. Their fan base is not excited, and that's certainly not the case with these two teams. Brent, one basketball question for you. Where do you fall on the performance at Madison Square Garden? Obviously terrible offensively. (laughs) And where do you fall on the, this is really signifying some big problems for this team moving forward versus that's a game you flush because it was terrible from start to finish from a shooting standpoint and Tennessee's going to bounce back and be better 
and be the offensive team that we've seen for the bulk of this season so far? Well, I think there's two things, and I, and I think that there's two parts to that. One, I do think you flush it, okay? But but I, I do think you also um, don't completely forget it, okay? I mean, you don't dwell on it, but you don't completely forget it. Here's, here's what I mean. I don't think Tennessee took a ton of bad shots in that game. You go back and watch it, they weren't, there weren't a bunch of step-back threes. There weren't, you know, a bunch of crazy things. They missed a lot of open looks, good looks in transition that this basketball team is supposed to take, that this coaching staff is comfortable with them taking, and they didn't make them. Now, where you keep it in your back pocket a little bit is you played two really good defensive teams this year, Villanova and Texas Tech, and both of them made you look ugly on offense shooting the basketball. And so the question becomes, how do you counter that? Okay, if, if somebody's going to prevent Kennedy Chandler from turning the corner and getting to the rim off a high ball screen or they're going to sag in and play a zone and dare you to shoot it, what is your counter to a night where you don't shoot the basketball very well? That's the one concern. Because let's face it, you play offensive basketball like you did against Villanova or Texas Tech, you're not going to stay in March very long. You're going to have a quick exit in March. Uh, and those potential games can happen. So you've got to have some counter. So I think the development of this team moving forward is – how versatile can they get offensively and not just be a team shooting 33s or 34 threes a night? How do they find offense on nights where the ball's not going in the bucket from the perimeter? Hubs, I don't know if you'll see the, the, the principal of that high school you're in right now, but if you do, let them know their Wi-Fi is exceptional at this place. <laughs> uh, now, the audio quality in that stairwell <laughs> yes, is also we, we will never question the commitment to this show that Brent Hubs and VolQuest <laughs> give us. Uh, for for which we do not deserve. He is on the road in North Carolina in the stairwell of the Falcons wrestling team. Got out of his car, unlike Austin. Yes, and he's joining us uh, well, to give us the very latest. Paul, my timing was pretty decent today because we had weigh-ins at four, and anybody who's been in a wrestling life, oh. what you know happens is as soon as weigh-ins are over, somebody's looking for the buffet. So <laughs> I drop. I dropped the kid. I dropped the, some wrestlers off, and I went to Bojangles and uh, scared somebody in the drive-through with the amount of chicken biscuits that I ordered in the middle of the afternoon. But I got back in time. I got uh, I got everybody fed and and got some food in them so they can go wrestle. And uh, the the fine folks here found me a nice quiet place to join you guys. I'm glad it worked out well, and uh, we'll see what happens here this weekend for for wrestling, but more importantly for Tennessee fans out there. We will see how this team closes in recruiting. Big weekend. There's some big defensive linemen, key defensive linemen on Tennessee's campus this weekend. Ball's got to close well. Well, good luck with the rest. We appreciate yeah. it, Brent. Thank, Thank you, you, Brent. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right, you too. Brent Hubs, VolQuest.com has been our guest. Coming up, we switch gears. We preview all things Titans. Titans, Jaguars. Titans coming off their bye week. Brable's not in a good mood. Paul will explain. No, sir. No, he's not. We will talk Tannehill. We'll talk keys to the game. Nico Autry, is there reason for concern? And we'll discuss some of the other things going into what should be a win for the Titans. How do they make sure that they leave Week 14 with a victory and one step closer to sealing the AFC South? That's next on Outkick 360. We'll preview Titans and Jags in just a moment. Welcome back, Outkick 360. First, though, Chad, there, uh, <laughs> there's some news in Oregon, and they don't have a new head coach oh, yet. Oh, no, they do not. Uh, I, I really hesitate to delete a tweet that we posted based on a reputable reporter with the AJC reporting it, 
Uh, but we did tweet out UG, UGA DC Dan Lanning leaving for Oregon head coaching gig. Well, that was based on an official report from Chip Towers, longtime Georgia writer, reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. That is being disputed now all over the place, including by Bruce Feldman, who is uh, sort of the authority in college coaching hires, uh, who tweets, am told by a source that the report that UGA DC Dan Lanning has been hired as the next head coach at Oregon is not true. This, coupled with two different Oregon beat writers, both saying that is an erroneous report and that it is not true. They've not hired anyone yet. Rough. This is uh this is a tough time if you're Chip Towers right now. Yeah. You're really starting to second guess your reporting at this point and just hoping against hope that maybe not all parties have been informed at this <laughs> point and that maybe. this guy is gonna be the next head coach well, at Oregon. I, I think you probably missed, but you're hoping he gets hired. So yes. you you missed, but ultimately it turns out that it pans out. Well, it, I, I don't think there's any missing now. Like, if he gets hired, then you got it right. You just had it before everyone else. Among the... Uh, right? I mean, that's how you spend it. It'll look that way. Yeah, that's right. It'll look that way. We will... Uh, we'll get back to that if there's any surf, any new surfacing over the final 30 minutes of the show, for sure. Uh, and what's a very impactful hire for college football. What's funny is seeing the response from Oregon fans who are all just extremely disappointed that it's not Dan Lanning. They're all, every response was, oh, no, don't tell us this now. We've been turned down again by someone else. Wow. They were excited about Dan Lanning, and now they're upset that reports are coming back that he's not the coach. It's a very quick uh, Stockholm Syndrome kind of thing. It's also, I don't get why Oregon's not a highly sought-after position. I agree. I mean, well, especially with the money, they could pony up and pay whatever it costs. They've got actual fans that, right. that pack their stadium for every game. Tremendous they've got Nike facilities. money. The you can recruit Heisman winners there. Top notch. They've been to, I think I threw out the stat, two national championship games in the last 10 years. I don't get it. Um, so as we look ahead to week 14 across the NFL, it doesn't matter what week it is. If the Jags are on that week's slate, it's normally one of the worst games of the week. And that's the expectation for this Sunday's game as the Titans host Jacksonville. It should be one of the worst games of the NFL weekend if the Titans take care of their business, Paul. Yes. Uh, Derrick Henry usually runs uh, up yep. and down the field. Well, that makes it exciting. Jaguars. Yeah. Um, I'm saying one half of the game should be terrible. Paul, please, you yes. should start with an apology, too. I know you did it on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, well, yesterday let's, let's I said I, I didn't understand why people were asking if Zach Cunningham could play in the game. Uh, I then checked into uh, into, into uh, if COVID protocols uh, would prevent him, and it turns out they, they do prevent him. So I apologize for that. I was a little rash on that. He's not, I don't think, even allowed to be in the building until Tuesday. What? So it, it just help me explain, because I, I don't understand this policy. Well, I think he if must be unvaccinated. But he's tested every if day, he if that's the up, case. I think if he showed up here... He's tested literally every day at the Houston facility, and he's waived and claimed 24 hours later, and he can't enter the Titans facility. They're saying that it doesn't transfer over whatever official league test they're using in Houston. That makes doesn't no transfer sense to, to Nashville. Me. I don't know. I think two negatives you should you should be at least two negatives you should be in. Two negatives you be in if you're vaccinated, and more if you're not. I, I don't know. 
It's, ju- it's just a weird deal where if you tra- if you move teams, you have to sit out a certain amount of time before you're cleared to go. It, it, again, it, to me, it makes no sense because they're claiming. I mean, Adrian Peterson signed, and that the same week he's on the practice squad, and people are filming him joining the team. Uh, and I think right? OBJ, I think took. Yeah, uh, he was quickly out there. I think it took him five days, but I think that happened earlier in the week. So I, I don't I don't know the specifics of it. I just know that. Uh, yeah, he's not playing this let's week. Let's tie this in, this and that week. ties into Vrabel. Today. Let's tie. Yeah, I want to tie this into Vrabel because I think there's a chance Vrabel's pissed off about dumb COVID policy preventing Zach Cunningham from playing I, this I weekend think, when I he walked in. I don't think that's what this is about at all. Well, then what was it about because when he, he walked he in? He completely knew yesterday. I'm confident. I I know for a fact he knew all of this stuff yesterday. Um, he was in a really bad mood today. He was in a terrible mood today. And so he came, you know, Friday press setups a little bit different. There's a railing set up where the podium's usually set up. A couple players talk and then Vrabel talks. So he came over. He seemed a little distracted. He was making notes on his paper, you know, where he usually has the injury information that he gives us at the end. He wasn't really paying attention to the first question. Uh, I think Wyatt asked him something. Then I asked, you know, you excited to be reunited with Zach? Gave a short answer saying, you know, uh, Zach's not going to be playing this week. We'll talk more about Zach next next week. Um, he answered five que- He took five questions total. I don't know if the immediate follow up was about Zach. Then there was a second question about Zach. Did Zach practice with you today? And he repeated the same answer. And then ultimately the last question, so there was something else, and then the last question was, you know, can you tell us a little bit, it wasn't the best phrased question, can you tell us a little bit about Zach's skill set? Now this is not an unreasonable question. This is big news that Zach Cunningham was claimed by the Titans. Uh, Whether he's playing this weekend or not, a lot of people are obligated or feel the need to write about Zach Cunningham today. It's a big addition for the Titans. Vrabel got pissed. He, he did listen to the question. He was looking at the questioner for a while. It took him a beat or two to decide what he was going to do. He didn't hear this question and immediately decide, I'm out. He considered it and made a decision. Then he decided, this is basically said, this is BS. This is stupid. What am I doing here? I'm wasting my time. He said this as he stormed off, told the PR director, tell him who's out, which is usually what he does at the end. <laughs> And, uh, and that's maybe my favorite part of the rant. Tell him he's, who's out. Out, he's like, you know what? You tell him, tell him who's out this week and walked off. And I, I, I said to him as he was going, you know, into the closed door, what did I say? I, I played it for oh, you. You said, said that's a perfectly so. normal response. I said, yeah, that's a, that's a normal response to the, you know, his, his thing all along with us has been, you guys can ask me anything you want and I can respond to it. However, however I yeah, want. Right. Now I always thought he meant I will respond to it with, with words, however I want, <laughs> not that I'll storm off too, if however I want. Well, I can't believe the number of fans that are supporting this as if like, hey, he told you not to ask it, and you guys went and dared to ask him more about when, it. When will you and get so, over the surprise with fans on that? They're never, always going to take... I'm 52 years old. I'm and never going to It, it always surprises you still to this day. That fans are going to back the coach back over the media. No matter, what. Every, no matter what. Some of them are making it like I'm the guy with the attitude here. And, and for once, I'm not the guy with the attitude. I stood there 
and followed kind of the mechanism of the gathering. Well, I didn't even ask the question. But the coach is the one who's behaving petulantly here. And people are acting like I am. It's it's pretty obvious watching his body language, either from, even from the first question. He came like, in pissed off. He came in. He, he was almost talking in a manic way. Like when someone gets frustrated and angry, they talk a little faster. His first couple of answers, he's talking very fast. It's like uh, you get into an argument, frustrated. and I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but you get into an argument, and then, and you, then have you have to, to walk into a group of people and like host something, or you're, you've got people coming over, and you're just in a bad mood, but you have to fake it. Like Variable's incapable of faking it. Yes. And it was clear from the first answer, something happened that really got to him right before the presser started. And it, I don't think it mattered really what. No, I said that. I don't think it's about the question. Yeah. I don't think it's about the questioner. I don't think it has much to do with anything. But I don't think it's a good look. I don't think Amy Adams Strunk would be particularly pleased with, with that. Um, and he's had bad exchanges before, but at least they're at the Well, it makes him look podium. soft, and he's not soft. Yes. That's the problem. It is a bad look because it looks like a guy who's easily triggered by a question about an acquisition you just made and that gets all huffy and puffy and storms off where I agree with you guys. Clearly, he was huffy and puffy and about fans, something else is there a, walking into it. Is there a player that's been ruled off. out and or something? And the fans are curious about this new player. It's an exciting thing. Um no, I mean, Tommy Hudson's out. No surprise. Jenkins is out. Long's out. Tart's out. And Cunningham is out. You know, so there's no surprises there. I, one guy that I was had concerns about was Autry because Autry was limited on Wednesday and out on Thursday, which when you see that trending, you think he got hurt mm-hmm. on Wednesday. But then he was full today. So that was uh, a good development in terms of Danico Autry. So if if there was a development today, uh, you know, I don't know that it's something we'll learn, or maybe we learn about it tomorrow in in transactions uh, before the game. You know, maybe Julio Jones pulled his hamstring late today, and, and we don't <laughs> which know is about totally it. And conceivable. We'll know about it tomorrow when he's not activated, uh, and then you know, I think the whole media corps would say, "Hey, Mike, we we get it." The only player ruled out for Jacksonville, by the way, is their offensive lineman, Brandon Linder, uh, who's out with a back issue. That's the only player ruled out for Jacksonville. Everybody else who was on the injury report looks to be a full participant in practice today. That that includes pass rusher Josh Allen, uh, who had a shoulder issue this week. Um, Miles Jack was back to practice with a knee. He did not practice all week, then practiced today. No injury designation for him, so... Um, looks like everybody that's on the injury report for Jacksonville, as I see it, is going to play or is eligible to play without an injury designation. Paul, hypothetical for you. You know how I love hypotheticals. Sure. Titans go out and lose to Jacksonville <laughs> on Sunday. Will the fan reaction be, oh, look, this is why Mike Vrabel was so pissed off on Friday. He knew something was going on with the team where they lost, and he's smart to have done that. Or will the fan reaction be, Oh, look, Mike Vrabel may be soft. They just lost to Jacksonville, and he's storming out of a press conference about a question about Zach Cunningham. Nothing that happens Sunday has anything to do with the 10 minutes oh, that's we usually know that. reserved. We I'm know saying that. what would yeah. the fan reaction be? I'm trying to see if we're getting any better at gauging I, I, fan I don't, reaction. I don't think that they'll trace. I think they're, again, I'll be wrong here. I'll say <laughs> I don't think they'll trace any of it to Friday's press conference. But some of them were like, look, the guy's focused on the players that are playing. 
He can't talk about somebody that's not playing. I go, for 10 minutes on a Friday? Oh, my God, we broke his focus. We're so sorry that he's not sturdy enough to withstand this onslaught of questions about his great new acquisition that everybody wants to know about and thinks is a, is a, a fine move. He is a no BS type of yeah, guy. Yeah, and I mean, I, I also, but it, on the flip side of that, he is a no BS guy. He's also the last guy who's going to really allow the media to break his focus on an opponent that weekend. So why not just answer the question? Well, I mean, some, why? Uh, the, uh, something there's something else, else going attention. on, but I mean, they're, I, I they're a good team, but they still need good PR because on Sunday, they have a high school section at their stadium. Okay, you know who doesn't have a high school section at their stadium Sunday? I don't know if they're home or not. If they're home, the Green Bay Packers, who have a similar record to the Titans, the Kansas City Chiefs, the New England Patriots, the Tampa Bay Bucks, none of them have a high school section that they're filling at their stadium. You know why? Because their fans are enthusiastic regardless of what's going on. Packers are home against the Bears. The Titans, meanwhile who are playing an important game in terms of getting good against a sucky team, are having trouble filling their stadium. So they're having like a pep rally section. Now, on the one hand, I admire it from a marketing standpoint because they need to do anything they can. On the other hand, go ahead and get your damn fan base fired up about Zach Cunningham, who's not yet playing, and take every opportunity you can. Because there's nobody else in the league that's good that regulating needs to get kids with pom-poms from Mount Juliet and from uh, uh, Murfreesboro and from Brentwood and all the local high schools to come out for super cheap tickets. Those Brentwood kids don't need the cheap tickets. That's right. They can pay double. <laughs> Please keep it to Mount Juliet and Murfreesboro. Uh, uh, yeah, yes. they're busy on acid trips busting into people's houses. <laughs> There's no reason. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, okay. Two things. One, Mike Vrabel does not give a damn about the attendance and ticket sales. No, but Amy Adams Strunk does. Yeah, and you know who else is never going to say anything to Mike Vrabel? Anyone in that organization. Amy Adams Strunk might. Well, Vrabel actually has called out the fans for the attendance. Oh, Vrabel will call out anyone. I'm saying who's the person in that organization that's going to go to Mike Vrabel and say, Mike, we're trying to sell the organization still and make and, and, and make money off tickets and get a good atmosphere there. Maybe don't walk out like a petulant child well, from a press conference. Who's going to have that well, conversation? Say, Amy might, and he'll say winning will cure everything, to which she should say, yeah, but how about you beat damn Houston, yes. my hometown That's team. where it starts. Beat the terrible Houston Texans. Going into week 14, the only team eliminated from postseason contention. And Mike Vrabel's response is, pay me more than Eli Drinkwicks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Pay me more than Eli Drinkwicks, hey, and maybe I won't storm out of your presence. That, it's is, not that big a deal, but everybody's not talking as much about, about it. all over Twitter. Not as much about Mike Vrabel and more about Ryan Tannehill. Uh, we'll give thoughts on Tannehill when we return on Outkick 360. So I think the spread is like eight and a half on this game. Titans so. and Jags. Welcome back, Outkick 360. Wrapping up the week. The Titans cruise in this game if Ryan Tannehill shows up locked in and ready to play. It's that simple. This guy's going to throw over the middle and throw some terrible interceptions. The Jags can pull the upset. They, the Texans have done that. Well, they could lose it with Tannehill playing fine if the running backs cough the ball up like they were doing in New England. I, w- I would add that. I mean, it's pretty simple. Don't hand the game to Jacksonville and the Titans are yeah. winning this game. So the Titans- and, and by handing, I mean, it's going to take turnovers. That That's what's going to doomed the Titans, much like it doomed them the past two weeks. So the Titans are 16-4 uh, are and four, uh, with Tannehill as the starter when he does not throw a pick. 
And in those four losses, two of those losses, he was sacked seven times and sacked five times. So protect him, and it, he needs to protect the football. If he throws one interception, the Titans are 10 and eight. And two or more, they're two and three. Which one of those wins is against, um, help me out here, Paul, uh, earlier this season, the Colts. They yep. turned it over three times. Which is a miracle. Uh, against the Colts. Miracle win. What's problematic is there are eight games this season where he has an interception. So if you just take those numbers and just really zero into this year, there are eight games this year where he has a pick. He only had six games all of last year where he threw an interception. He is not the same guy year to year, and the big element that's not there is Derrick Henry. He has not been good since Henry left the lineup. They need Tannehill to lead the way on Sunday and and lead the way down the stretch because I think they're fully capable of winning their AFC games. And the number one guy that should help him out, Julio Jones. Show up, yes. play a full game, don't limp off, don't stand with Rob Moore on the sideline. Start to prove you were worth what they gave up for you in trade compensation and in cash. Over under two quarters, he you need, plays this you game. You need five games here and a playoff run. Stay away from the And bat. you need to be reliably productive. <laughs> Go out there, be physical, and show that uh, you know without AJ Brown, you could be the receiver this team needs to uh, to lead the way. Because beyond you, there are a bunch of bit players on mm-hmm. this team. So it's it's time. I'm hard-pressed to believe that he's playing more than two quarters in this game based on recent history. Well, he's had four weeks off. Four if he weeks does, is a general uh, a good time for hamstring recovery. If he can finish the game healthy and, build. and play the whole game, great sign. Paul, and you're right, Paul, he's he not playing the fourth quarter. The if he's not playing the fourth quarter in this game, it should be because they're well ahead. Yes. Uh so this year, the Titans are scoring a touchdown 24.8% of the time they possess the football. Which sounds pretty good. And, except when you compare it to last year, when they scored 36% of the time, yeah. they scored a touchdown on possessions. There is a, there's been a considerable drop-off. Drop uh, they, they have 21 giveaways. They had 12 giveaways last year. They allowed 25 sacks last year. There are 33 sacks allowed this year. I mean, there, there is a... Those are disturbing There numbers. are things they need to tighten up, pardon the pun, as they, get, as they get ready for the postseason. This is more than just winning the AFC South, and I have, I have said that since the start of the season. My expectations for this group are higher than just winning the division again. Great. Like, what, what do you have to show for it? Yeah. And that's pretty uh, much already done. Except for raising a banner that we look back on and, and forget what happened during the regular season. They, they need to position themselves to be ready to go into January where they get some players back healthy and they're ready to hit the ground running. And, and that does just not happen with the snap of the finger. And, oh, Henry's back. Everything's great. They need to lock in as they prepare for the postseason against some inferior opponents. Treat Jacksonville the way I've been telling this team to treat New York and Houston. Slap this team around on Sunday. Treat Jacksonville the way Mike Vrabel treated the media. Yeah, today. absolutely. That's how you treat Jacksonville. You, you show up, you make you your appearance, and you storm out. Yes, you, you assert dominance and leave the room. That's what you do. You run, you run for 270 yards against New England's defense. You better run the football against Jacksonville's defense. And uh, go hit Mr. Lawrence. There you go. With the, He'll turn it over. With, th- with three of your four He'll turn in, it over. Position. And I'm not saying anything they're not saying internally. They've got to start creating turnovers, and stop turning the football over. And that starts with their veteran quarterback. Fair or unfair with the talent around him, the best quarterbacks in the league protect the football. 
You know, they've scored something like 44% of their points in the second quarter. I was going to try to write about it this week. Nobody had anything to say about it, uh, except the obvious. that They need to, to start doing that stuff earlier, not settle into the game so much. That, that's pretty outrageous, 44% condensed into that second quarter. So it's a great second quarter team. But uh, and the needs Jags, to be a better. The Jags are a terrible first half team. We we chronicled that earlier this week. Minus eighty five, I believe it's in the eighties uh, point differential for the first half of games all season combined for Jacksonville. Jump out early, take advantage of who you're playing here. Show them who your daddy is. Send send Jacksonville to the draft the same way Houston is. Jacksonville's already there, but reassure them. That they have no chance of the postseason. Send them back to their swamp from which they came. We are back at it on Monday. Recap the entire NFL slate and all the college football headlines on Outkick 360. Have a big weekend, everybody. And while you're doing so, do not block the box. But please, please lock your locks.